I'm Nick Terzo, and you're listening to The Radical. This week's guest has spent nearly 40 years holding down the beat for one of the world's most successful metal bands. But in addition, he is also a very talented illustrator, artist, and entrepreneur. From comic books to coffee beans, he has it all covered. Charlie Benanti from Anthrax joins me to discuss his new project, Silver Linings, with reimagined covers of some amazingly great songs. Additionally, we discuss future Anthrax plans, coffee, comics, and art. Coming up, my conversation with Charlie Benanti. Nick and the Radical Podcast is now powered in part by Playboy Condoms. At Playboy, they are committed to products that make sexual intimacy safe, playful, and fun for all. That's why they have introduced Playboy Condoms designed for maximum pleasure and safety with unique quality and scent features that exceed international quality standards. Now available at Walmart or Walmart.com. Respect your partners. Charlie, welcome to the show. Uh, hi, Nick. How are you? It's good to see you. I uh, can't remember the last time I saw you. I hope it wasn't all the way back to Clash of the Titans in 1991. That would be sad, but... That would be sad. But I, I hear that a lot. Well, the last time I saw you, and then someone will mention a date or a show, and it's like, had to be that time, you know? Because <laughs> that's, that's how we reference time now. <laughs> always so always on the road for you guys it's hard because it's all a blur i imagine so what was um kind of resetting yourself last year and not really having any touring and um did you guys start to record a new record with anthrax or you didn't start to record a new record or no we did not uh the last thing that we well, some of us were together for it was uh, a dime bash thing in um, when I, we were doing the NAM show out in uh, Anaheim. And every year Rita does like a annual dime bash and we, we get up and play a bunch of songs with a bunch of friends. And uh, Dave Grohl brings his big barbecue thing. And uh, it's, a, it's a great time. And that was the last time I was on a stage so and then what about a month or two after that everything just came to a halt so we were writing songs for a potential new album and then everything just came to a halt right did you have dates lined up either for this year or last year already oh oh yeah oh yeah we were we were booked <laughs> um so everything that was then is going to be moved to you know, some of it's going to be was moved to later this year. There's some festivals in, in the fall. So let's see. You know, my, my feeling is everybody I know wants to get back out there. But they may be jumping the gun. Uh, and um, I'm one of those people who are just like, look, let's let's just let's let's test the water a little bit before we all jump into the pool you know but it just seems like everybody is like ah come on stop you know take take your mask off come on get in the pool you know and it's like well okay but then when we may be back where we you know 
were. Right. So I'm just... It's all hard to say, right? Without this booster thing, like no one knows how long these vaccinations even last, right? It's just like so much unknown still. I We don't know. It's like, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just waiting for the for the real green light. You know, I see a green light, but it's 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 kind of yellowish. So uh, I want to see that full green light and everybody's doing it. Everybody's safe and there's no problems because all it takes is one show somewhere where an outbreak happens and it's like, that's it. We're stopping. Right. You know. Well, and you guys being such kind of like a worldwide act, so to speak, um, you know, it's just harder to think these other countries are going to have such a more difficult time with a vaccination process than with the U S is, you know, we're fortunate to be here. Um, well, I it's going to be tougher outside of the U S it is, but because let's say let's say we have a bunch of festivals booked overseas, okay? So you, you're playing UK festival, Spain, uh, Italy, France, you know, and then you're going to go to Scandinavia. So what happens if all of a sudden France has another outbreak and that festival gets canceled? So now a bunch of bands have like. Uh, five days to a week off and they just lost a ton of money because of it. So it's going to be hard to route things without, uh, you know, knowing for sure, or, you know, is everything going to be able to play? So it's, I don't know. Right. And there's certain continents that are just kind of verboten anyway, you know, Mm -hmm. because they can't, can't get the vaccines. Um, so, but you were hard, hardly, uh, you know, being non-creative during this break. I mean, it looks like you have a, a record you recorded. That's a record of cover songs called Silver Linings. Is that yes? That's that's yes. It wasn't recorded to be a record. It was recorded uh, uh, a sequence of, of like uh, events that happened with uh, back in like the end of February, March. Uh, I was consumed with this pandemic and other things too going on. Um, and I was uh, glued to the TV, glued to my phone. What's going to happen? Is this, is this thing going to last four weeks? Is, are we going to be out for four months, you know, a year? Who knows? We don't know. We can't get answers about this because really nobody, nobody knew. So I was becoming... Day by day, I was getting really, really depressed. It started to affect me in such a way that I was just fucking dark. <laughs> and my girlfriend, Carla, just said, you got to shut this off. You got to stop watching this stuff because it's just consuming your day and night. Um, and that's what I did. I stopped and I started to be creative again with both music and art. And before I knew it, it snowballed into something bigger. And uh, people were looking forward to watching the, these videos of these quarantine jams and these mashups and stuff. And uh, it, it got good to me. And I wanted to keep pushing the envelope. And that's what I was doing. So I contacted a lot of my musician friends who I knew were going through the same thing I was going through, you know, and they were all, let's do it. Yeah. And I was so happy about that. And People kept requesting that I put this out, put this out. And I kept saying, no, no, no. This is all it was intended to be. And then finally I caved in and putting it out on May 14th. And uh, uh, proceeds 
uh, a portion of it goes to uh, the Neil Cassell uh, Foundation that puts instruments into kids' hands because that's another big thing with me. It's like the first things that get cut in schools and the programs are like music and art right away. And for me, if that got cut when I was younger, man, I don't know what I would be doing. You know, I'd be climbing the walls. (laughs) Well, there's some great versions of cover songs on here. I have to say you've did everything from run DMC mix-ups to, 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 to mashups to Rihanna and Rihanna and bad guy even got on here. Um, (laughs) You know, I didn't know what to expect and I just started listening to it. Wasn't really looking at the song titles. And then, you know, I heard, uh, Chloe dancer and crown of thorns, you know, and I was friendly with those guys back then. Uh, oh, really? And, and it's the first time I've heard their music in probably I've never maybe 25 years. And so it hit me so hard. It was so well done. Wow. Thank it just took you. me to another place. <laughs> and I was kind of like a little sucker punched that I wasn't paying attention to the track listing. And then that came on. Ah, so it took you back. It totally took me. It's like, holy cow! I'm like in another, like 30 years back, man. 32 years. Yeah, I mean, so. a lot, a lot of those bands that came out of that scene, of course, went on to bigger things, uh, and then a lot of them too. After, like, during their bigger things, completely had the fucking floor drop out from underneath them. You know, uh, uh, just suicides and stuff. And it's just unbelievable that that band to me was the band that was, could have been, you know, gone on to Pearl Jam, you know, you know what I mean? Um, but I love that album and just love the way he sings on that record. It was, it was, it, I was always moved by that song particularly. You know, like I remember when singles came out and that song was in it and it's like, oh, that's, that's really cool. So I always wanted to, I always wanted to play that song. And that's what I did. I had to teach myself how to play piano uh, for that song um, and just had fun with it. And for those listening, we're talking about Mother Love Bone and uh, Andy Wood and he, uh, Charlie covered Chloe Dancer and Crown of Thorns. And it's a really fantastic uh cover fantastic yeah my friend so, Mark. As, as are the rest <laughs> so how did you how did you curate like what you decided to do and how did that come up come together it was all individually initially because it wasn't a record in no. your mind no these were like uh i would space them out and something would pop into my head that uh oh, i love that song since i was you know this big and um just wanted to do it i i i you know, the Rush songs that I started out doing, they don't appear on this, um, but there's a reason for that. Uh, I didn't want to put all the Rush songs on this because it would have completely just saturated the, the whole thing. I wanted to uh, put them out separately. So in November, there'll be a record store day and we're going to put out an EP of all the Rush uh, songs. So that'll be separate. But, you know, a lot of the songs were just songs from like, I grew up listening and songs that I just always loved, like public image. Um, uh, you know, that song, the, uh, the massive attack song has, uh, significant, <laughs> uh, it yeah, brings me drop. That was yeah, great. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite albums. And I remember being on tour 
uh, overseas and our A&R person um, for the record company over there gave me an advance of mezzanine and I just listened to it the whole tour and I was just so, you know, absorbed in that record and the sounds and, oh man, it's just such an awesome record, you know? So that was a little difficult for me to, to kind of pull off because it's, it's multi-layered and, and Carla, my girlfriend who sings for a band called the butcher babies, I totally pushed her out of her comfort zone. And we were, we would spend nights in, in the kitchen drinking wine and doing vocals, uh, which of course it's a great place to do vocals in the kitchen. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just had fun with that too. So everything was done. I mean, obviously from afar, um, remotely. So everyone just kind of dialed in their tracks and then you, did someone help? Did you mix it? Did you do who produced and like kind of mixed it? So I basically produced most of it, but, uh, a good friend of mine, Andy Lagus, who used to be my drum tech, uh, He's got a great ear and he uh, has a knack for mixing too. So he helped out a lot with this uh, mixing, mixing it all. And, you know, like I would tell everybody who was being, who was a part of it. I said, please pay attention to the detail of the song. Cause that was really important to me. I wanted to capture the essence, but I also wanted them to bring, you know, a bit of themselves into it, but it was really important to capture what the song was so i don't know that's that's the way i wanted to do it and aside from carla like who are some of the other collaborators on this uh, musician wise uh well uh frankie from from the band anthrax john from the band anthrax snake sable from skid row um i have marcos agreda from death angel um i have of course dmc uh, Rob Caggiano, who's in Volbeat, uh, Ra, who's in Suicidal Tendencies, uh, some of my Canadian friends from Sum 41. Uh, it just, I don't know, man, just like, I was like, yeah, I think you could do this, you know? <laughs> I'd really sell it. Do you, do you still have to do credits for these records? And <laughs> that's a lot of work. <laughs> There's credits. They all appear on the cover, too, everybody. Uh, I wanted to do some kind of, uh, I don't know, just kind of like a punk Rocky type uh, thing. So my friend Brian um, Ewing, he did the cover and Brian has this uh, distinctive style too. And uh, uh, when I, when I asked him to do it, he's like, I'd love to do it. And then he did it. And then uh, I don't know, it turned out really well. No, it turned out everything's turned out well with this. So, I mean, are you, re, who's, re, are you releasing it independently your own or is it through a, an independent um, label? Uh, our label who, who also does the band Anthrax, uh, they're putting it out, um, which I'm really happy about, but it does not, everybody's not everybody, but people asking you put it on CD and I'm like, no, it's not going to be on CD, just vinyl and download. That's it. Uh, yeah, Cause well. the, the vinyl's more, I don't know, man. It's just, I, I wanted to do the vinyl and it's two different colored vinyl, of course, because I'm crazy about doing specially type special things like that. Yeah. And you've always kind of been directed that way, right? Even with anthrax, I mean, with some of the artwork and I mean, that's really important to you. You have an eye for it. Um, love it. I, I love doing that stuff. I used to love going up to the record company and sitting with the art department people and uh, getting an education basically about 
you know, album cover art and liner notes and what color works best for the covers when people are walking in a record store, which of course we don't do that anymore. Like when we used to go to tower records and something catches your eye, well, there's a reason it caught your eye because of the colors that they used. Things like that. Yeah. It's a, it's a lost art form, that whole thing. No one understood those, you know, the record companies always have such a bad rap, but the art well, departments had so many talented people in them. I mean, it was incredible. I, my, my, again, my whole thing with record companies were I was friendly with the people who were working for us or working with us at, at the label, because why would you be a dick to these people who are working your record? You know what I mean? It's like, they got to look at you every day. And if they don't like you, it's like, eh, you know, so be friendly with them. What's, you know, what's the problem? And, for us, we were on Island Records and Island in New York was fourth and Broadway, right above like the Tower Records. Tower Records, yeah. And in the same building that uh Island was, there was uh apartments there too. And Keith Richards lived there and Cher lived there, and we would see Keith all the time walking his dog and it was just so cool. And we never hounded him or anything. We'd just say, what's up, Keith? And, you know, he'd be smoking and walking his dog. It's fucking cool, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's incredible. Um, and you're also doing, I mean, what you have a comic book that you're involved with? Um, yeah. Uh, this graphic novel um, that we were approached by uh, Josh Bernstein, who who runs Z2 Comics, to do a comic book about our album Among the Living. But each song would be a story. But it wouldn't be the story that uh, pertained to the lyrics, you know what I mean? So uh, we had a meeting with him and got a wish list together of who we would want involved as far as writers and artists. And Everybody said, yes, I, I'd love to do it. So Rob Zombie did a story. Corey Taylor did a story. Uh, Gerard and Mikey Way did a story. Uh, uh, Joe Trotman. I mean, just an array of people who were like, wow, that's great. And the stories are awesome, too, that they wrote. And the artwork is even better, too. You know, it's like, wow. So I can't believe that we have this great piece coming out. It's such a, you know... Um, a, a, a tribute to to them and, and and of course to us but uh yeah it's going to be really really great what's it called again well it's the among the living graphic novel it's basically uh the among the living songs like i said but just reworked and greg nicotero is involved he did this uh great piece of a, a zombie not man and if anyone doesn't know greg nicotero greg is of course uh, from The Walking Dead. He's the director and designer, and he's he's awesome. Special effects, yeah. <laughs> so, is that sometime this year? You know when yet or not that that'll be available? Um, I'm I still don't know when the date is, but I keep hearing soon, soon, soon. So you can, I mean, people can go and pre-order it too on the Z2 website or the Anthrax uh, uh, website. Okay. And you also, did you contribute something to the um, that punk rock and paintbrushes? Uh, is there a table book? And you yeah. Was that you and Carla did something or you yeah. collaborated? We, we actually did a, we did an art show um, two months ago in Chicago and uh, it was really, really good. And 
man, for me, I would have never done anything like that. So she pushed me to do it. And, uh, I was happy that I did it. You know, it was, uh, you know, an achievement. So punk rock and paintbrushes who actually coordinated it all and put it on, they did a coffee table book and we're featured in the coffee table book. And it's uh, a really cool piece. Um, so I, I like those people. They're, they're all great. Yeah. And that's available now. Yeah. Yeah. That, that book's out. That's awesome. What's your interest like in art? Where, where was that fundamentally for you? Like what turned you on to art? Uh, maybe outsider art, I guess, more so than uh, more I mainstream think, art. I think when I was growing up, I was always attracted to like Disney and comic books and I would just sit and draw comic books when I was younger, you know, just Batman, you know, and, you know, it's like, for me, school was, I had to do it. I didn't, didn't love it, but I also just knew exactly for some reason what I was going to do, you know, in the future. And I always practiced music and art more so than anything. Cause I just knew this was going to take me out of my, you know, my neighborhood and, and it sure did. It worked. It worked. It definitely worked. I so. mean, because like, if you, if anybody knows, like you grow up in New York, uh, especially if you grow up in one of the, in, in the boroughs, I grew up in the Bronx and it was great great upbringing but you know you gotta get out of you gotta get out of there in order to make it you can't stay there and you know be successful even, I if, feel. even it means crossing the river and getting into manhattan right <laughs> taking the express bus or taking the six train you know you gotta get to manhattan yeah that's fantastic um you also have do you have a coffee is this somewhere oh, yeah. else you're going in life here I've always had uh, my coffee. Um, my coffee's it turns, I think, almost ten years now. I've been I've been doing it, but wow. um, so it's something I've done for a while. Uh, and then about I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, hooked up with uh, a company here in Chicago called Dark Matter, and um, now they distribute my coffee for me and and do it. And it's something that I've just always loved. Uh, I mean. I, I would always say if I could make a coffee cologne, I would wear it and just, you know, everybody <laughs> c come in and smell me, <laughs> but it's just, I, I just love it. And do you, so, I mean, do you source the beans? I mean, did you find like a, someone who could roast them for you to your liking? I mean, how involved were you in that part? So when I did it like more independently, I did, I did it that way. Uh, I had a roaster in um, in New Jersey uh, who would do it, and uh, man, I spent so, so so much time like getting the ones that I wanted, roasting them a certain uh, way. And then when I when I met Dark Matter, we had a day when I I went down there, and about ten of us stood around a table and just sampled coffee, just you know. Pfft, you know, just drinking it and getting like, yeah, that's the one. Let's go with that. So it's not something I just slapped a sticker on. It's something that I was a part of, like, you know, picking the beans and how they're roasted and just everything. Because I, I always feel that experience in the morning should be the one of the best experiences you have throughout the day. So if you wake up, the coffee, you know, just stinks up your house. That's that's a great day. 
And you have different varieties? Is there a few yeah. varieties? Yeah. So I have the um, basically a real uh, strong dark roast. I have uh, more of a, a lighter roast. And then we were doing one with uh, a Frenette Branca in it. Um, so the beans were pretty much saturated with uh, Frenette Branca. And if and nobody knows what Frenette is, it's basically... Yeah, what is that? It's like... Uh, <laughs> It's a, uh, let's say an after dinner type of drink or digestive. And uh, it's yeah. great. It's, it's kind of in the same, uh, it's like an Omaro. Um, I got it. And it's really good. So we were doing that for a while and then uh, we just did a limited run of that and we just did s- some more and now we won't do it for a while. Right. Is this in retail or is it just something you do online? It's it's online, but Dark Matter, they're in stores too. Um, but mostly online. You could go to my my website and get it. You should you should really at least sample a bag. <laughs> go to <laughs> go to charliebenante.com and get your coffee. You won't be disappointed. That's the thing. That's awesome. Good for you. I love that. So as you guys kind of like I mean, you're kind of encroaching on, or did you just hit like your 40th anniversary of the band? Uh, the 40th anniversary is something that, um, I mean, our first album came out in 84, um, but Scott wanted to base it on when he started it. So he he did it in high school uh, in like 81. I came into the band 83 when basically right out of high school. And um, like I said, our first album came out in 84. So we're, yeah, we're celebrating our 40th anniversary. It doesn't seem like 40, but I don't know, man. Just time just flies. So strange. Do you have any um, insight in how a band actually gets through four decades and still can act as a unit and tour and be a brotherhood? Well, that's the thing about us, and I'm sure the bands uh, totally know what I'm talking about when I say you are all a part of this, um, not just a team, but like a gang. And uh, we knew on our first tour, we were in a van going across country, and we knew when we came back who was going to make it and who wasn't going to make it and sure enough we had five of us at the time four of us bonded and the other one just man couldn't hang with things and uh, that was it we made a singer change and that was it the band was the five guys for the longest time and that was most of our success from 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 there um so you're gonna have in and outs with everybody because as the years go on People change. Your life changes. Who's who gets married? Who has children? And you know that dynamic ch- it changes, and you can't help but let life affect that. But you have to be strong enough to say, "Okay, we still have our relationship. We still do this thing that we all enjoy. Let's not rock it. Let's not fuck it up." And that's basically how it is. Some bands are just. I mean, I, I would admit that. When we were younger, we were a bit more both arrogant and a bit ignorant. And, you know, you don't have wisdom. You don't have the experience to draw from. So sometimes you make a decision that "Ah, maybe that wasn't the best decision. 
but you know, you, you live with it. So that's, that's how it goes. And I mean, of the iterations of the music business, I mean, ever kind of, you know, I don't know if defeat and, you know, frustrate is for sure. Or have you guys been pretty adaptable to, you know, going from, uh, the traditional ways of recording, the traditional ways of distributing music, uh, you know, now we've got to get into the streaming universe. I mean, how has that affected you guys um, and how you view fans, how you want your music distributed? Well, again, that question is very, it's a loaded question because so many thoughts come to my head about that question you just asked. Um, a, I put a lot of the blame on the record company for what's going on now. Uh, I think they could have protected us way better than they did, protected themselves way better than they did. And they just let it go. And, um, and basically what we have now is a legal form of stealing music. And that's how I feel. And I, you know, people say, oh, yeah, well, you know, you guys are you guys are old now. So you don't you don't know what the younger kids are doing. And like for me, it's like younger kids don't know shit. <clears throat> you know, it's like there needs to be people who say, no, that's that's not cool. And a- another big important part about it is there's no balance. So if you go to if you go to European countries, um, you will see people still buying stuff, especially in our genre. People buy the product. And why do they do that? Because that's what they love. That's how they that's that's how they um, experience music. Other people, it's it's on their phone and that's how they do it. But for the most part, there's no balance. You shouldn't discriminate, uh, discriminate against someone who loves to get the album and get that smell. And, you know, and uh, I just feel like we're, we're just so ready to like, no, that's not cool anymore. You can't do that. It's like, fuck you. That's the way I want it. You know? And I just think it's wrong. Right. And I mean, has it been, aside from the streaming part, has it been a trip for you guys to watch, you know, I'll go out and see some bands I've been involved with now and I'll go to one of their shows and you'll see everyone bringing their kids now and the kids know the lyrics and stuff. I mean, is that interesting for you to watch like this generational thing it being passed on? Um, I love that. I actually think that's the, one of the most amazing things about music is like uh, it just crosses over and man, it's like another generation gets it. And I think that's why um, nostalgia is just so popular because you weren't there when it happened, but you can also get a slice of it in a, in a way, you know what I mean? So like your kids, maybe if they're six years old, seven years old, they really don't know it, but later on they'll go, Oh, I was there. I saw, you know, I saw uh, uh, anthrax and blah, 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 you know? So I think it's that part too. And I think it's encouraging that, dads moms brothers sisters bring their you know kids or their you know younger siblings to the show and just say this is it you know enjoy this you know because who knows how long it's going to be around you know right and i mean as you guys look at your touring world i mean do you guys is it easier at this age kind of more to do like a package thing and that way you can i don't want to sound like an old guy but it's like hey you know 
I, I don't mind being the act that opens for this guy now. I'm done at nine o'clock at night. And I <laughs> yeah. Go back to the hotel yeah. and I'm out of here. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, that's way easier than carrying it all on your shoulders. But, um, but yeah, at some point, you know, you also have to, you know, go out there and play uh, a lot of deep cuts for, for your fans who want to hear them. They don't want to hear the, you know, the here's the top 15 songs, you know, it's like, well, we need to play these songs too, because, you know, people are coming who don't want to hear antisocial again, you know? So we know this. Um, but a lot of times too, we also have to take into consideration that if you're playing Cleveland tonight and then you're playing Detroit tomorrow, the Detroit, the people are coming to see the show and they have no idea what happened in Cleveland. So if they don't hear antisocial in Detroit, they may feel like, what the fuck? They didn't play antisocial, you know? So you can never, you know, please everybody, but you have to do your signature songs. You know, it's important. Right. And I mean, in the promotional part of it's gotten less. I mean, you don't have to do the radio, but you, I mean, I talk to knuckleheads like me now that have podcasts, <laughs> I guess. So, so maybe it's even worse because now there's more of us than there ever was radio stations. <laughs> I swear like the, uh, the sales of ring lights and microphones shot up this year. Everybody's got one. <laughs> yeah, sure's having a good year. Let me tell sure. you. So, <laughs> sure they are. <laughs> it's fantastic. And so you're happy. You're in a new relationship. You have a, a woman who's lovely. I saw a picture. She's beautiful. And uh, oh, thank you. You guys have the common interests in music and art, and so that sounds very uh, balanced for you. Yeah, she's kind of a nerd, uh, and and we like we like the same kind of things. And it's like, oh, you know, it's it's exciting to say, oh my god, look at this, you know. And then she, and the other person's like, oh fuck, that's so cool. We have to get that. Like, uh, uh, we're going to this Banksy exhibit um, in July, and we're both kind of stoked about that, you know, to see that we're trying to get to the Marvel exhibit, but fucking thing keeps selling out. Um, I, I, I gotta try and get it in at Marvel to, to get into that. For sure. And I read in the Forbes thing, I thought it was kind of, kind of cute that you guys during the quarantine were having like Friday night, like just sitting around a table drawing. That was your kind of couples nights. <laughs> and I thought that was adorable. So. <laughs> I mean, it's like we would do that and, you know, binge watch, you know, shows and, you know, it's like, uh, that's another thing I, I must say. Thank you. Who, uh, the creators, the directors, everybody for, for keeping me entertained with the boys and the marvelous Miss Maisel and uh, God, so many other shows that just loved, you know, Tiger King. <laughs> oh yeah. Do you remember, do you remember that? That seems like it was years that ago. That started but, it. That started the that, whole pandemic binge watching. <laughs> that's right. That started the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. Tiger King was the OG. So good. Where did it all go? <laughs> yeah. So are there like, you know, I, I call the show the radical, were there radical moments in your life personally or professionally that could have kind of directed you, you know, either in a, a, a good way or directed you in a bad way um, that you can recall? Uh, I mean, wow. That's, uh, I mean, I couldn't take coming from the direction. Bronx. That's an easy answer, right? So. Yeah. Well, 
you know, for me growing up, um, I mean, when I was younger, we had, you know, a devastating thing happened in, in my family where we lost my dad when I was five. And then my mom had to become, you know, the breadwinner and still manage five kids. Because uh, I come from, uh, you know, a family of, I have four older sisters and I was the youngest. So like I was five when my dad died and it was, um, didn't really hit me then later on kind of got it. And I was, I would forget, you know, certain things about him. And then my sisters and my mom and my, you know, aunts, uncles, they would always remind me or tell me stories to keep, to keep that alive. But, um, yeah, it was, it was rough, especially for my mom and, she was always trying to just protect me from not going a certain way because it could have went that way. But like I said earlier, I was so focused on music and art that I knew what I wanted to do and I knew what was going to get me out of it. Right. Was there, was there a male figure that kind of came into your life at any point that helped kind of my uncle guide you a little bit? Or, yeah. I would say my uncle and, um, Later on, like my sisters got married and my brother-in-law, he was, he was that type of figure, you know, but, um, yeah. And, you know, I would say horror, horror movies and superheroes helped me to kind of, you know, well, that's, that's what I, <laughs> I want to do, you know? Yeah. Well, and a lot of women power, that's good in today's yeah. day and age to have been around that. That's awesome. So. Right. And I guess that's why with my daughter, uh, I, I'm raising her in a way of, you know, don't take shit. Don't take shit up for anybody. In this world, people are going to try and keep you down, especially being a woman. Don't fucking stand for it, you know? So. Yep, absolutely. So I, so. I see that in her already. How old is she? 15. Awesome. Nice. So. Aside from your own music, I mean, is there something right now you're listening to? Is there any younger bands or kind of new things on the scene you've heard that you actually like? <laughs> oh, it's such a bad, it's such a tough question because I don't have one. Like, I mean, there are newer bands, but they're not new, new. They've been out for a couple of years now. And um, I like, I like, I like what they're doing. Um but yeah, there's, you know, I'm always so open to hear something uh, that's just completely just makes my head spin like, oh, my God, yes, this is it. But for the most part, I, I, I seldom think like, man, has it all been done? You know, are we ever going to, you know, even with movies, too, it's like, are we ever going to get something that just makes us go, wow, that's it? You know, um, I don't know. And I think a lot of times the when we had A&R people at labels, it was so important for the artist because uh, they would push you. They would sit with you and talk about where you're going with the record or where you're going to go with your next record. And um, I'll never forget, like Steve Rabowski, who signed us to Elektra. Steve would talk to us sometimes three times a week about you know, 
what kind of record are we going to make? Where do you want to go? What do you want to, you know, things like that. I feel it's, it's, that's a lost art because it's like people now look to other bands or YouTube and go, yeah, I could sound just like that too. And nobody has that, that individuality that was once there, you know? And I always say, you know, the four bands that were considered the big four, you know, us, Metallica, Slayer, and Megadeth, the four of us would release records and especially the, the, the four signature records that we did release, which was Metallica had Master Puppet, Slayer had Rain of Blood, Megadeth had um, um, Peace Cells, and we had Among the Living. Those four records don't sound anything alike. They're completely, you know, separate from each other, but yet it was metal. And I don't see that anymore in, in the metal world. Like, I don't think people are hungry like they like we once were and take chances and everything just sounds tuned down. Some dude screaming and it's this fast double kick stuff that happens. And then where's the song? You know, right. Well, that's what I'm wondering, because it seems like a lot of this stuff is cycles. Right. So it seems like some of it's cycling back. People say rock is dead. Hard rock's dead. Can't compete with hip hop and the pop stuff, but then you see all these kids that are teenagers online playing instruments like Mad Men, um, you know, really proficient with their instruments. But that is the question. What you just said right there is like, can anyone write a song? Right. You know? Right. Can you learn craft? Uh, because as far as hip hop goes, that to me is gone. It's dead. It, there, there's nothing new in it anymore. I think the last, I can't even tell you the last type of uh, song that came out that was like, that's, that's really good. Maybe, maybe I got to go back to like Eminem or uh, I don't know. And then Post Malone started a, a kind of a different sound. And now everybody sounds like Post Malone. So it just always eats itself up. And, but like, I'm talking about the real important hip hop, like, you know, the Run DMCs, the, the Beastie Boys, public the, public, the Public Enemies, the De La Souls, uh, you know, there are songs and I don't hear that anymore. Everything just sounds the same to me because uh, every once in a while I'll go on Apple um, and let me hear what the what the top, you know, 10, 15 are. And then I'm just, Wow nothing there and of course you're like oh dude you don't know anymore you you know you're too old and cranky it's like no i don't think that at all i'm always open to something well let's take all the songs you just did and run them through auto tuner and (laughs) put them out on and put them out on tiktok you'll be so famous yeah i guess but i don't know man i just want people to respect the, the way it used to be and don't take music as it's, it's, it's not disposable and that's what it's become. And that, that's sad. Yeah, it is. But you did a good thing. You curated some really interesting songs. Um, you made them your own. They're fantastic versions. And I suggest to all my listeners that they find silver linings Yes. Um, it's, it's a fantastic collection of what are really, you know, evergreen, um, just really well-written songs. 
yeah, from from some amazing artists. And all we did was try and put our little twist on it and compliment it. And uh, but thank you, I appreciate that. Successful, successfully, you did that. So yeah. <laughs> Okay, and the comic book's coming out. The coffee's online. We'll link to everything online yeah. for you. Um, you'll tell me where to send people. Um, yes. And uh, I really appreciate you doing this, and it would be so great to see you guys live again someday soon. Um, oh, absolutely. I, I really the, uh, appreciate uh, you doing this, too. Wow, dude, it's my, it's my pleasure. You guys have been a little bit in my life since... Uh, I'm about 91, I guess. So yeah, since Pablo, <laughs> 30 years. No, since Alice in Chains. Since Alice in Chains tour. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking um, about that the other day about that tour and how great it was. And um, man, everybody was just so cool. Everybody just hung with each other, and it was such a great vibe. And uh, love those guys. I mean, it's weird, you know, because it was just like this camaraderie out of that tour and it was i mean it was it was so low low key you know on the road everyone was so friendly and it was a great tour um, yeah and, and i'm sure the fans must have felt that too you know the thing about that tour that was awesome was even on days off we would all hang out together um which which was you know most bands are just goodbye <laughs> yeah yeah no but, it, was, it was a really nice experience to be around that so yeah um, yeah and then you put alice on which makes them kind of the anomaly out of the three of you guys but it worked yeah you know? they they were but they weren't that's what i felt because i i kind of knew it's like okay maybe you're not getting this now but six months from now you're all gonna get it and that's what happened yeah yeah it's forward thinking my friend yeah. um thank you Charlie, thank you for doing this and uh, good luck with the record and uh, stay healthy. Thank you. And you like too. I, said, I can't wait to see you live again. Be cool. Thanks, Nick. That's our show this week. We thank our sponsor, Playboy Condoms, for supporting these episodes. To follow what's happening with this podcast, you can go to theradicalpod.com. You'll find past episodes, show notes, and even merchandise such as T-shirts and hats. Also, I encourage you to follow and rate us on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, please follow us on social media, The Radical Pod, where we reveal more about upcoming guests. Thanks for listening and spreading the word. 